0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello, and welcome to our national conversation about conversations about race. The weekly podcast where we discuss the ways we can't talk, don't talk, would rather not talk, but intermittently, fitfully, embarrassingly do talk about culture. Identity, politics, power, and privilege in our pre, post, yet still very racial America. Whew. You can say all that, or just call this show about race. I'm Anna Holmes, and joining me from the Panoply Studios in New York are Tanner Colby. Hi, Tanner.
2: Hi, Anna. Hi,
1: <laughs> and tunde Thurston. What's up?
2: Hello, hello. Good to be back in person. We are glad IRL with you.
1: IRL, exactly. Not with us in person, but with us in spirit. Uh, And last but certainly not least. And also
0: in our ears. And in our ears. On (laughs) microphones
1: Is uh, LaToya Peterson (laughs) of ESPN and Racialicious, who is joining us from San Francisco, where she informs us she was taking a tour of Pixar earlier.
2: Yay, Yay. LaToya's here. It's
1: the fun part of working for the mouse uh, (laughs) and doing cool stuff with the undefeated. So it's always a good thing. So speaking of cool stuff, is that my awkward segue? Yes. Uh, This week we wanted to continue our theme of staying away from electoral politics because we figure we will have plenty of politics to talk about next week and the next week and maybe even the week after that. That's not a threat, not a prediction, (laughs) it's just a thought. It's just that if the end of the world comes to pass, we have to be prepared.
0: And it'll take about three weeks for the world to end. So we have three weeks of talking (laughs) about race and politics, and then it'll be over.
1: Right. Speaking of endings, another awkward segue, we're going to spend this week's episode talking about the demise of Vine. Now, if you're not familiar, Vine is a social media platform and app owned by Twitter that is soon to be shut down. Twitter announced it was going to be shut down, what, last week, Mm -hmm. I believe. But I want to, we're going to devote the episode to Vine and, 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 you know, kind of an R.I.P., or as LaToya calls it, a rip, to, <laughs> to to the platform, to the social media service, but also to talk about like what it meant to people. So, Bertuna, can you tell us a little bit more about Vine, what it meant um, more broadly, what it meant to you, why it's being shut down, all of the above?
2: Yeah, yeah. I will, I will attempt, and I would love to uh, co-tackle this with our resident black techie uh, visiting from the tech capital of the universe, uh, Miss LaToya Peterson. But to start off, Vine is about four years old. Twitter acquired them Uh, pretty soon after they were created, so most people only know Vine as an arm of Twitter. Six seconds of looping video that you could create from your phone's built-in camera. And uh, so it had the elements of an animated GIF, the repetition of the loop, but it was actual video with sound, and it was initially created to kind of capture goofy moments from life. Mm -hmm. But early creators quickly started using it to really super produce content. Uh, A lot of special effects work was going on in there, a lot of dance and music, sports clips and, and highlights, tons of NBA scenes, block shots, mm-hmm. dunks, <laughs> um, and and a lot of humor. And the format, you know, often, like, what is it, function follows form? form? The relationship between form and mm-hmm. function, mm-hmm. has. there's a famous saying about it that yeah. I'm not going to get right. But the point being, when you only have six seconds, yeah. yet you have sound and images that move, new things can be born. Mm-hmm. And so Vine actually became this weird thriving home of a particular type of expression of humor that was different from twitter which is heavily text-based mm-hmm. and sort of word memes vine was visual memes and gifs have a certain thing and images on instagram have a certain thing so vine was thriving and there was a lot of blackness in the universe of vine especially in uh, in humor and people having hundreds of millions of loops as a play was called any six second increment was referred to as a loop and some stars actually being born in a way that didn't have the same type of human gatekeepers as Hollywood, mm-hmm. which we discussed in our B-side. Yes, yeah, we did. Go check it. <laughs> you heard.
1: So, uh, Baratunay, what did you think when you heard it was shutting down? What is your understanding about yeah. why it's shutting down? And this is also for LaToya as well.
2: Uh, money. You know, yep. Twitter is a very, it's almost like it's, Twitter's this integral service, which I think generates over $2 billion in revenue, but isn't profitable. And they have a ton of investment. They got to make a certain amount of profit to pay these investors back. They have a ton of VCs trying to get their money out and they're struggling. So financially, as a business, Twitter isn't doing great. Vine had no money coming in directly and it costs money to run. So if you're trying to pare down your business, all these rumors of Disney acquiring Twitter, Mm -hmm. Salesforce acquiring Twitter, all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen if you're carrying just expense. And so I think a big part of why they cut Vine it was his independent arm not making money. But it's, you know, the oddness of it is that Twitter has, when it comes to racial experiences and conversations, Twitter has been a big plus and a big minus for blackness. Right. It's been a huge, like, hashtag Black Lives Matter, right? It's a hashtag. It's mm-hmm. born on Twitter in so mm-hmm. many ways. Yet also trolls, death threats, doxing, all sorts of harassment, threats, you know, look at the Leslie Jones affair as one example. That's also Twitter, Vine didn't carry as much of the negative. Vine was joyful and silly, fun and expressive in a way that didn't have all the baggage. So it's a little sad to see the demise of something that was so positive, despite understanding, as I do, that it was not a great business for Twitter to be in financially, given how their overall business isn't in great shape. I mean, and, and yeah.
3: more than a business part yeah. day, it was like, you know, Vine had no head of product for three years mm-hmm. of the four like, that's not, like, they just couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with it. And yeah. I feel like, you know, there was probably a path to viability at some point. It was just that the focus, you know, when you, you do with the acqui-hires, right, when the acquisitions, the focus a lot of times is still on the main product, right? So it's literally, like, we got to figure out Twitter first. And Vine was always just this afterthought, this afterthought. Um, and then, like, the original piece that I wrote about Vine for Racialicious was really about it kind of having that weird like, sunken sheep. Uh, again, I can't talk right now. Hold on. This weird <laughs> sunken ship ecosystem that flourishes, right? Like this thing is dead and no one's paying attention to it. And therefore all of these beautiful things are blooming and growing and it's doing their own thing. But it's independent of what like the original idea of it was. And the other thing too that I thought was really interesting about Vine was how completely different the creators of the platform and the users saw what the initial service was, right? Like, Mm. you know, for years and years on Vine, when you would look at the curators, when you look at what the editors were looping, it was always like stop motion animation or like these kind of takes on HDTV or these interesting cityscapes, things that were beautiful, but not really like emotionally resonant. And what Vine became famous for, right? Was generally the actions of like these
2: black and brown users. Why are you always lying? Can (laughs) Can I make
1: a confession? I don't think that's funny. Like, I never thought that Vine was funny. Yeah. I don't know why. I, 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 I yeah, yeah I'm, I gonna, never, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, like I'm gonna I said I'm gonna, I'm the the gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you which the one
0: the one that so he just vibes. sang
1: the one the, the why you always the, the lion one. why the fuck
0: you lying why you always lying Ooh, oh my god
1: I I never like the the first the, when it first came out someone showed it to me and said oh my god this is so hilarious I can't stop watching it and I, I'm like I'm not that humorless I don't know I didn't ever found yeah. it funny but yeah. Sorry to I think it you. depends
3: because like one of the no, 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 that's a good point, Anna, because like one of the things is I think your experience of Vine really depended on who you were following and what you were looking at, what you were consuming. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely like chitlin circuit humor on mm-hmm. Vine. And then there's also like more highbrow humor on Vine. There's like really complex storytelling on Vine that were jokes. And it was weird because depending on kind of where you came in and who was your intro to the world, like that was the world that you stayed in. Right. Yeah. I never cared for Jerry Perpdrank, who was one of the breakout stars of vine because i felt like a lot of his jokes were racist and they played on racist stereotypes and they didn't really like did, advance the. there yeah, were other people yeah. on vine who were in jerry perp orbit who were doing more complex takes about race who were doing complex things that didn't have anything to do with race at all and i felt like your experience of vine really influenced was influenced by kind of what you were looking for right so like tracy clayton who's uh tweeting as brokey mcpoverty she did an epic like 120 message long twitter thread on her favorite vines and i had forgotten you know because it wasn't my side of vine yeah that there was like a whole black church vine (laughs) yeah ridiculous stuff that was happening at church yeah like you know i forgot about that being a thing there was a whole local news vine where people would clip like the the remember the tiptoeing in my job the tiptoeing thief (laughs) <laughs> like, no, that I was actually from, don't remember that. So yeah. there was, what? Okay, oh, that was yeah. amazing. So there was a local news segment of a guy who was like, there was a tiptoeing thief that had tiptoed into someone's garage and <laughs> stolen their bicycle. And there was security footage. Ah. And so, of course, the Viner, so they clipped the actual segment. And then they, they put the little riffraff, little tip. Tiptoeing in my jaw. Underneath <laughs> it. So, of course, we all fell out.
2: Tip-toeing in my jardins, jardins, jardins.
3: Came down, in my jaw. Cop- but, I mean, there were so many different vines. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people who had particularly like, negative encounters on the platform, they kind of hit something they didn't like early on and bailed. Partially because the UX was horrible. Like, you can never find anything. You can never search for anything. Mm. Hashtags were trash. Like, it was really hard to find anything if you weren't on the platform every single day. And you didn't remember who did it or what you were looking for. But the other reason of it, too, is just there were so many different things happening In that one ecosystem, it was really easy for you to just be in one part of Vine and to never ever see it. And I feel like the creators of Vine might have been on, you know, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, like white Vine, where they were like, oh, no, like, this is the world that we want. This is the world that we want to see. And they kind of didn't see any of the other things that were growing and spreading and and becoming prolific. And even after people like King Batch, you know, made, you know, he got the cover of New York Magazine. He made the transition into Hollywood, right? He's on the Project Breakout, crossed over. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's crossed over people like Q Park and people like Alley Cat and like they were just doing so many things Darius Benson and Cam Benson got on the amazing race Like there were all of these things coming out of vine But vine didn't recognize yeah. what was happening on its
2: own platform. And, and, and I felt like that was what killed it So well said and and other evidence of that that i'm remembering So the vine stars, you know, there mm-hmm. were signs that vine was dying before last week's announcement mm-hmm. And the, a lot of these stars actually got together and they're like yo vine you need to pay us You know to, to produce content and Vine is in no position, uh, as we've already mentioned, to pay anybody for that reason, but also for lack of product development to Latoya's point. They left. And so Vine became like an incubator. It was like a, a seed garden. And then people graduated to YouTube or to Instagram. And when Instagram la- launched video, I know th- it's hard to remember the timeline of the Internet and how these apps changed, but Instagram right. didn't always have video. In fact there was a time when there was no such thing as Instagram. I, I beg you guys to try to remember that. <laughs> I, do Long- remember I do remember it. that. Remember life before Instagram? Yes. Was it even life though? Really? Well, I'm, Wait, no, 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 I'm not on Instagram. It really so it was. If Wouldn't you know. couldn't like tag it, was yeah. it life? Yeah. Um, Wait, if so you, Instagram, Instagram do launched do Grant, a video. What are you really doing? Yeah. And when Instagram launched a video, that sucked a lot of the wind. Right. Out of mind. Because people like, I can have a, a bigger audience. It's like doing local shows at your coffee shop versus right. Right. You know, getting on the radio.
1: I, okay. Well, can
0: I, can I ask a question though about like, these people who demand to be paid the entire yes. business model of all yeah, social please. media is I'm going to give you content for free and you're going to make money off of it, which is why I don't do anything on social media. Cause I'm like, I was always like, eh, about social media. I wasn't on it. And then the girl I was dating in 2008 put up, she changed her relationship status like an hour after we broke up. and like, I was getting all these emails before I'd even process that I was out of a relationship. I was like, social media is bullshit. So I just didn't sign up. But then I, like, <laughs> I had to as an author to like sell books and stuff. But I've always been reluctant about it. And then one day I read someone succinctly put it that if the service is free, the thing that's being sold is you. Mm -hmm. And everything that we put on Facebook and everything we put on Twitter and everything we put on Vine is to be monetized by someone else. And once I was like, ah, that's it. I've never put anything on social media since. So why would these people expect to be paid? This is like my I don't know
1: if it's my Achilles heel, but like people who post on social media and then think that they should be paid for it. Drive me fucking crazy. There was a period of time a couple of years ago. You
2: guys sound so old. Keep going.
1: I know there was a period Seriously. of time a couple a couple of years ago when and it's got to come back on this one part. <laughs>
2: yeah, we, we, we're <laughs>
1: batteries are charging. When a number of people on Twitter who were on Twitter all day because they chose to be and were tweeting various things, usually usually kind of in the like activist like left space. Would make arguments on Twitter that number one, what they were doing was work. and number two, they should be compensated for it.
0: It is which work, is, but you you shouldn't be compensated. <laughs>
1: well, it's work, but I don't know that right. that's but it's not your job unless you make it your job. And if you decide to make it your job, then you need to find out a way to monetize it or shut the fuck up. I mean like that's the way I feel I, i'm I'm very like, disgusted by it. people who create things for public consumption and then somehow turn around and demand that like they should be paid for it. By who? So who should
2: they be paid for? This is a this is amazing.
1: Well, well okay, so I, let's let's look at it let's look at it from the, the other way. Yeah. Right.
3: Let's look at it from the other direction, right? So you make things for public consumption, mm-hmm. and it gets popular, and people love it, and you start spending all of your time doing it. So most of these Viners who were doing Vines, like, they had jobs, right? Darius was working at Target mm-hmm. when I first started watching it, mm-hmm. and there would occasionally be Vines dropping out from Target when he was on break or something like that, yeah. right? And at some point, when you get good at it, your audience demands more, you demand more, and you're putting all these time into this. Chris Ashley... Um, he was done in like 10 or 15 hours on one six second loop. Okay. Right. Because of the after effects and the visuals and stuff like that. And then you're doing, you're creating essentially a service that wasn't there before and you're creating something that people find value in. Why should you not be able to have that path that other creators have had? If there's a screenwriter sitting in a coffee shop or putting out funny stuff on Twitter like um, Honest Toddler. Right, and somebody <laughs> offers them a book deal. People feel like that was a good monetization strategy. That's fine. So how come when it's the kids on Vine, it's not a good monetization strategy? Well, right? I didn't I tell been been it, but I you what happened to the money on here. Let, let me tell you what happened to the money on Vine. So it's not that Viners were like Vine needs to pay us. That happened later. What happened was there were all of these middlemen that jumped in from advertising because they were like, hey. This is where the under 18s are and we want to spend money. And suddenly in front of all of these essentially kids, right, people who are like about 14 to about 22, suddenly these huge brands, Tide, McDonald's, Mountain Dew, all these folks are coming in and they're throwing advertiser money at them. Here's $20,000. Here's $50,000. Here's $200,000. Their friend got broke off because they did you know, a Mountain Dew thing. Their friend got broke off because of this. Of course, in that environment, why would you not then look at yourself as when you started out as just doing fun stuff? Now you're a product that you can sell that's a career path that gets you somewhere else. And for a lot of, in particular, creators of color, that is not a path that normally opens to us. So of course they're going to jump on this boat. And of course, once Vine is like, hey, I want you to make more Vines. We think we can really do something with this platform. Why wouldn't they come back and be like, hey, you want to hang with me? Pay me. What did I say, though? every Viner I talk to Almost every viner I talked to when I got to ESPN had an agent. One, like all these little like multi-level marketing places, right? Bartending, you know, the type that market you to influencers. Mm-hmm. They all had agents and they all wanted to know how much money of a campaign we want to put. Is it a $20,000, a $50,000, a $100,000? Because that's how they learn to monetize. And these kids are growing up in that environment where everything about them, just like what Tanner just said, you are data, you are the product. And so to them, they're going, why shouldn't I sell?
1: I don't think you and I are disagreeing. I think that young people who are creating things for public consumption that are getting an audience and that are creating new memes and exciting people should get paid by companies who, or agents who want to re- represent them or companies that want to work with them. I do not think that they are, are, are deserving or owed money by Vine or Twitter for that matter. Or so but why not? Because yeah, yeah. Who's, and I think, who's
3: smarter about Vine than these kids? And, and one who of is the better things, about their own platform. Wh- wh-
0: so so. <laughs> but but it but if social media were to pay everyone who participates in it, there would be no social media because that there's no money there. There's not that's not the
2: model. So is I, that I, a bad exactly. thing? Exactly. And i, well, I take I think it all down. Get rid of all of it. I'm fine. I think it's worth challenging the Silicon Valley investor friendly assumption that we all donate our talents to Mark Zuckerberg, who's worth a trillion dollars because all of us posted family photos that he's allowed to monetize us, but we're not. No, on that you, same Your platform. option is to not be on Facebook. No, no, but, but that's also something like your option is to leave America if you don't like it. No, it's like, not, no, i very extreme. sorry. No. Is very it, extreme. I also think it's extreme well, to say I mean, that I'm no, disgusted no, no. no, that people is right. who ask for money. There comes a point where platforms become so ubiquitous that to claim that there is a choice to participate is meaningless. And I'm not saying that Facebook is there, but it's much closer to there than it was when it was founded in 2004. And I think that when you are the the data that they're selling, when they're pimping you and your personal browsing habits all over the internet to sell you furniture that you don't even know you need yet because they know your mind better than you. I think it's very fair to ask a question of like, how come I'm not being compensated because you're pimping me without my okay. real understanding and permission. So that that actually doesn't seem outlandish or extreme, not nearly as extreme on the other hand as saying like I'm disgusted by people on social media who expect to be compensated for their artwork.
3: To piggyback on Baratunde saying real quick, to to take him to Berkman (laughs) Baratunde, let's get to high internet for a second. When we're looking at these platforms as a way that people vet job candidates, as a way that people try to figure out if they can understand you, as a way that people collect data about you, as a way that people require you to log in for certain types of job applications, things like that, we've moved from social networking as optional to social networking as public utility. Right. And I mean, for those of us who are arcing up on the older side of millennials or who are Gen Xers, since we remember the time before, that we're like, you don't need it in the same way that, mm. like, you know, we've had bosses who were like, I don't touch computers and I don't use email, right? Unthinkable to us, but that's the world that we're coming into. And when we look at the monetization of ourselves as data points and the monetization of who we are, I don't think it's unfair for people who are growing up in that environment where they are being traced and they are being tracked, right? One of my homegirls intentionally stays off the internet. She does not want pictures on Facebook. She doesn't want anything. And yet she knows because of the way that her friends interact, there are shadow profiles of her waiting to be activated because they're still collecting that data regardless of if she consented to be opted in or not. This becomes a kind of different type of conversation. So we can always pretend that social media is still this very innocent new thing. Oh, if you don't like it, just get off it in the same way that, you know, some people will tell kids who are being cyber bullied. Oh, you don't like it. Just don't look at Twitter. Don't get on the Internet. Don't be on Instagram. Don't be on Snapchat. And that kind of ignores what the role has changed and what it's become coming in the lives of other people but I, I would argue it's becoming this, this, for a lot of people yeah. main revenue
0: there's a difference it's becoming but, main
3: revenue it's becoming yeah. like a place where you make money it's a place where you have to live the irl world and the social media world are functionally becoming the same
1: i think when it becomes a public utility or basically everything but a public utility i understand what you're saying there i understand that like that that's the point when facebook's be, go, goes beyond just being facebook and becomes something else which at a certain point you have to regulate them if it really is a public utility in that way i don't think facebook is there and i'm not talking about facebook i'm talking about vine and i'm talking about twitter i'm not talking about facebook i also would say that again i don't think that people deserve money because they post things on social media as creative as as those things may be i think that i think that part of what they're getting paid for if they're getting paid is the exposure to people who can then help their careers whether it's an agent or or whether it's a it's a producer or development exec or what have you i totally disagree with the idea that, that that people are owed money because they chose to engage in a free <laughs> social media service where they found some success.
0: Right.
2: And is I it... don't
1: under, I don't even understand the thinking. I understand I, when it gets to like yeah. a public. Tanner, this, let me just, I'm going
2: yeah. to, I'm not actually cutting you off. I'm setting you up. Okay. <laughs> I, because Anna, I need to return to that particular point. Cause I think if we look at a different industry, mm-hmm. you will, I don't, believe that you don't understand i think you don't see the connection yet i want to try to help you make that connection go ahead
0: tell a toys point, there's a difference between yeah you have to exist on facebook and and linkedin and other places so that employers see you and know you're a real person there's a difference between that Which is what I do, which is I'm there. I don't give them anything and any data to to monitor. I just go out and browse and see what other people do. You (laughs) probably do. (laughs) No, I give give them the minimum. I give them the minimum. Cue
2: evil laughter from Silicon Valley.
0: But there is a difference between that and I'm going to spend 15 hours making this six second thing that when I signed up for this service, I am agreed. I'm giving away my labor.
2: So that the world will pay attention to me. And on these. Okay. Let me, let me me follow up on the the Anna point. (laughs) So I'll use athletics and music as an example. Obviously the vine gimmick didn't work. Vine didn't pay them. These guys left and vine is dead. Mm -hmm. So you're right about that case. And I think they asked for too much money, but they recognize their value. And I am pro people recognizing that Wait, are people are showing up to vine to watch my stuff. Mm -hmm. Vine is getting like credit for that, you know. And and in some of the way the Silicon Valley economy works, it's not about revenue because it's all perverse out there. It's about your next investment round. It's about your rankings and TechCrunch and your mm-hmm. positioning in TechCrunch disrupt, which is value. So if you, the founders of this thing and the shareholders of this thing, are getting way more points on the package because I'm putting my creativity into this, maybe you should start sharing. Not everybody who tweets some dumb little thing needs to get a check from Twitter. But if you're responsible for a significant portion of the engagement and time, and that's what these guys are really selling to their investors, people Mm -hmm. spend their time here, Mm -hmm. then we probably are owed some share of that. College athletes spend a lot of time playing sports for free. They generate mad revenue for the NCAA. They don't Mm -hmm. get paid. Like, I think it's a very legitimate question to ask, should they be? Because you're getting endorsement deals. You're getting broadcasting rights. You're getting all this money going to these universities to pimp these kids. And they're being sold. You have an opportunity, though, to maybe make it to the NFL. That's not good enough for some of these kids who we know are never going to make it to the NFL. Music. Oh, we're just going to put your stuff on the the radio or we'll put you on our platform. When people start consuming enough, you start wanting to get paid. So I don't think it's an instant check that everybody who throws nonsense on social media should get a big, fat billion-dollar check. But I do think it's legitimate to ask, when are the people who are contributing to the environment— which is the reason other people show up cool. to that environment, are creating value that's measurable, they should be cut in on that.
0: Well, And I think what the demands of these Viners proved is that the business model of social media is kind of bullshit to begin with, because it is based on just stealing other people's data and giving away for free. So when people on social media say, hey, we're giving you value, why shouldn't we be paid? They shut the thing down. Well, that just shows you that it was a bullshit business model to begin with
1: let's maybe i don't know if this is its logical conclusion but let's take it a step further so then should the people that some of the viner's when they're like kind of doing like remix stuff taking you know footage from that from that um local news newscast and mm-hmm. adding a song to it yeah. should the copyright holder of the song get a little bit of it i mean I, I again like we could we could argue this to its like a very granular level and i'm not sure actually how instructive that is i that's, actually love that conversation mm-hmm. that's i totally gonna, had that's a 2 hour deep. conversation on
3: copyright <laughs> and the internet and with my friend on like this is this is very much at the top of my mind, because the question is, when you look back at intellectual property, right? And this, this this, is, again, to loop back into the whole purpose of this podcast, right? In general, creators of color have been cut out of their own intellectual property, yes. right? And so, like, uh, a few years ago, I went to this big panel for The Root and wrote a little bit about intellectual property in the jazz age and what was happening to jazz musicians and why so many of them died in poverty, whereas the people who actually profited from jazz and jazz movements weren't necessarily the originators of a song, but they were the people who were normally wealthy and white at that time who had lawyers who then bought the publishing rights and said this is now my song as opposed to yours. And so there's a lot of concern particularly in a lot of circles around intellectual property rights and creators of color and what we are allowed to have and what we're able to do. And Vine really threw that in a sharp effect because everybody now knows the phrase on fleek, right? Every single person knows on fleek. They know what it is and they know what it's about. But most people don't know that was pioneered by a woman named Peaches Monroe who was a young girl, you know, sitting in her parents' car just doing this thing. We in this beach, finna get cropped on Fleek the fuck, and on Fleek has been monetized. It's been flipped. It's shirts. It's got famous. Nicki Minaj shouted it out. There are all these things. Who paid Peaches Monroe? Who paid her? Okay, like, but what see, is my she, argument be, yeah, she like, gave it? Away. I, my, and I know that it gets, it gets complex, right? But that is what the old Hollywood model had started to do, right? At some point, you need to be able to pay people residuals so that they can eat later. You need to be able to do these things so they can eat later. We're at the very beginning stages of this in internet culture where it's like, yeah, some of these things are fun remixes and you can never pay for them. I mean, we see this in the music industry all the time. Rappers drop mixtapes because they know they're like, I can't get the rights for this. I'm just going to drop it for free, not profit off of it. And that's how I get it out to the people. And sometimes that's a conscious decision that you make. But I think other times what we want to really look at is, is this system fair, right? This is why we have guilds. This is why we have unions. Is this system fair? And if this is the way that business is going to go, there should be workers, or content creators in this case, speaking up for their rights to figure things out. I think that the Twitter example you used earlier, Anna, is well met, where it's like, you know, she was doing it for free and nobody asked them to. But in Vine's case, they totally asked these kids to come back and make more stuff. And I think it was well within their rights to come back it, and try to make a yes, little... The little uh, internet union labor. to be yeah. like. <laughs> I, would some some I, I, would I, I would agree
1: with you there. I would agree with you that they were solicited by Vine and encouraged by Vine to do certain things, then Vine should have probably offered them some sort of payback whether whether that's monetary or not for asking asking them to do free labor right. but, but the thing is when yeah. they're not asking for free labor but the labor is being performed anyway i know i don't think that they're that, that that someone has just deserved money because they decided to post something on twitter or make a vine right. the other thing i'm going to say is that the ncaa example is an interesting one but i don't feel that it's a great analogy because the NCAA is really the only way. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know this much about sports. For basketball players or young athletes who play basketball, yeah, it is, to to, to the, like that's the one funnel to like the professionals. Vine is not the one funnel to become right. an animator. It's not the one funnel to become a recording artist. They are not gatekeepers in the same way that the NCAA is. I don't think that
0: analogy quite works for me. I think we all agree here, but. Anna and I are the old curmudgeons saying, well, fuck it, don't even go on social media to begin with. And you two are the tech people saying, but social media is so vital, these kids have to be a part of it. When I think we all agree that these, you know, the terms of use of some uploading something to Vine, I imagine, reads a lot like these old recording contracts that Latoya's talking about for blues and jazz artists where they got all their publishing rights stolen from them from the get go. By uploading something to Vine, I'm sure I'm signing away 900% of everything. Mm-hmm. And my point of view is, Why the fuck are you doing that? Make a six second video and put it on your own blog, your WordPress blog, and put it out there because that way you own the whole thing. It's why I feel very uncomfortable at buying ebooks through Amazon because you have to own, you don't own the ebook. You own a license to the ebook within their proprietary system. And if they shut down or go away or anything else, you're like, well, where's my thing that I bought? We all agreed that, yeah, the relationship between these young creators of color on Vine and the Twitter corporate, you know, Silicon Valley. Entity is an unfair relationship, but we're just coming to different solutions. My solution is fuck vine don't and, go on there And, and I think
2: <laughs> I think that we are early enough in the emergence of the new networked world order where fuck vine Is a legitimate response for many to others if you're 14. It doesn't feel legitimate It's like saying don't talk to your friends, <laughs> right? Don't have a phone Like would you live your life without a phone today? You have a choice. You don't have to have a phone but Only you, but, we can stop the march from social media <laughs> taking over our lives, which is we, not to participate. We're not going to stop it. We have to alter its course. And I think that's where we have an opportunity here. And we're not going to resolve the whole thing. But everything is running through this system. You think you're independent of it now. You won't be no, in 20 years. No, I don't years. think I'm
0: independent, but I do it you, as minimally but, as
2: possible. But you think you have a choice now. People yeah, born today won't have a choice about whether to participate. It's like saying, I don't like capitalism. I'm not going to participate. You talk about gets it like the
0: Borg. It, because it is. It
1: kinda is. I'm gonna have
0: <laughs> <laughs> my children have never been on I, people post well, p- pictures.
1: your kids are like toddlers, of course. No, but I'm saying
0: we as parents don't feed them into the system. My did, kids are not involved with in social you, media in any way. Did you
1: did you secure their email addresses for their names like via Gmail for, for their for their future? No. For their Facebook yet. pages? No. I mean, a lot of people do that this is what I, I first of all i want baritone to write to write a black mirror episode yeah about like <laughs> about that uh, about mm-hmm. that future you're talking about and like and, and because i'd be curious like like w- if we do take that to its logical conclusion what is that going to look like in either 30 years or 50 years i understand that people feel like they have to be on facebook and i understand why you're making the argument that it does feel like it, it, the, the people don't have a choice now same with linkedin i we all have a choice about linkedin
2: <laughs> that's different <laughs> Don't break
1: it up. Um, <laughs> but, but, everything that complicates, I think, this discussion about Vine is the historical precedent of black creators yeah. having their Thank work you. stolen and used and monetized by poachers. I mean, mm. that's not the right word. That's what complicates this a lot. And that's what I think is the subtext to some of, I think, the mm-hmm. rhetoric around people being paid for Vine. I want to acknowledge that, but yeah. I also want to keep those things somewhat separate because I still don't think people should be paid for making Vines.
2: No, no, and and separate from the payment question, a different related question worth asking is, are platforms and tools, Vine in particular, but these other things, but, you know, Vine, because it has such a concentration of visualized Blackness, Mm -hmm. have we just created a more efficient engine for cultural Mm -hmm. exploitation? Mm -hmm. And the gains wrought by some of these creators and their great brand deals pales in comparison to the distribution of their work totally uncompensated and mm-hmm. is that good is it a net good mm-hmm. for our society to have these new forms of expression without human gatekeepers just algorithmic ones mm-hmm. or is there some cultural cost or concern to be had about taking the blues model and turning it up a 10 to 100x I, I don't have a full answer on it but i think that's very related to what you wrote up i think it's a good good question
1: what i want to know what people's favorite vines are and i'll just confess that like i I looked at vines sometimes i had an account but i I maybe posted one once i think latoya actually is the one who made it clear to me what a vibrant community there was on there and the kind of interesting things that were being done i still didn't check it regularly because i have like a social media platform limit twitter and instagram are kind of enough for me yeah but that's because i'm an old curmudgeon (laughs) but yeah, I, I want to know like what what were your favorite vines? Either actual favorite vines or what sorts of vines? Like what genre? Like were there genres? And if so, sounds like there were. What were your favorites? More or less,
2: Vine was not my primary home. I posted seventy nine things there. That's a lot. For- no, it's not. <laughs> it's n- no for somebody's can new. that rounds down to zero. Okay. Seventy nine is like a week. Zero things on Vine. <laughs> okay, but mm-hmm. um. So listeners can check out for, for as long as these URLs live, vine.co slash baritunde. Some of what I posted are just re reshares okay. of what's already been put up. But there's just you know, childish Brandino I'm um, <laughs> looking two years ago. Uh that was something that greatly amused me. And actually there was a uh, we did a little experiment. Roy Wood Jr. on the Daily Show talking about black people not going to Mars. When uh you know, and it's just him it's just a Vine from screaming, black people ain't going to Mars. <laughs> And just when you do it over and over again, like a gif, it yeah. actually gets better. It gets better, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> LaToya? God, for me, I mean, there's so many. For me, I was so immersed in the Vine world for a while that, like, I started realizing it was essentially its own language, right? Mm-hmm. It was a remix-cultured uh-huh. language for the internet. Mm-hmm. And the way that people, like, layered jokes. So, like, uh, one of the, my favorite Viners is Q Park. Well, One, there was this rotating segment of, like, men on Vine working out their insecurities by pretending to be women, in conversation with themselves, it sounds god, yeah no that it actually it's it's really good. Viners so generally like a male parts Vine. is oh my yeah, very common in god. the same one. Like yeah. they would just cut, they would cut between themselves. Yeah, and so like one self is like the male self, and the one self is like the female. Are you self kidding is, like, me? That sounds avatar. amazing. No, it's amazing. Yeah, oh my god. And it, it, they would have all these conversations about essentially like gender anxiety. Like I, like I said, I spent way too much time on Vine. But <laughs> Q Park had this one where he would have like this kind of like angry girlfriend character, where like it was him in a horrible wig. And he would be he would be doing something that he thought was cool and that angry girlfriend character would undercut him. So one time he was like rapping along with Drake and he was like last name ever, first name greatest. And then his ultra ego, the female's like, oh, is your middle name mistake? Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. It's just these kind of like, you know, continual conversations with yourself. I thought were really interesting. And it was an old genre onto itself on Vine that I loved. Um, Anything by Darius Benson. Uh, I was following him when he was going by Legendarius before he realized he needed to cash in on his, like, actual given name. Um, (laughs) But, like, he just did so many amazingly hilarious things, and most of them didn't actually involve race, and most of them were just more um, slice-of-life outtakes. I had called Vine in my back channel piece. I had called it, like, kind of like the Seinfeld for the internet era. And it was interesting to see the reaction it was the interesting reaction to that because a lot of people were like what do you mean Seinfeld because Seinfeld is such a like cultural institution and what is considered to a lot of people the domain the yeah. kind of like whiteness and, and white neuroticism No, yeah, but it's um, about, nothing. It's about everyday
2: writing. stuff mm-hmm. it's, that's a, yeah. Vine is a window it's a very slice you know? of life yeah.
3: what was going on and that is also what Vine is it's people singing into their hairbrush they just recorded it yeah. it's people you know goofing off while cleaning up they just recorded it like and there's <laughs> all of these like moments that happen the Vine I used to explain to people who don't understand Vine is like Kanye pen which is another q park one where they're layering kind of like three or four different jokes together in it that was really cute and then um god they're just so they're can just I, so
1: can so i many. can I mention a vine that you showed me that, that i wanted to talk about oh yeah which was go for uh, it and so in 2000 so in 2014 latoya showed me a vine by a young african-american man maybe he was even a kid he may have been a teenager from minnesota <laughs> that went viral mm-hmm. you know so uh, and and in the Vine, I think he did a number of them, but one of them in particular blew up. And, and in it, he's documenting the way he was being followed around a convenience store by employees oh, yeah, who yeah, seemed to assume he was going to shoplift. Mm-hmm. I'm like if you go Google Vine convenience store, it will come up. Lots of news stories like BuzzFeed did something. The Daily Mail did something. I was looking at, at the Vine today and looking at the news reports about it. And he had been interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter. And he he said, you know, at first I was making vines for fun. Uh, My first one was me recording that lady following me around the store. And then I was doing quirky things I had on my mind. Those were getting thousands of likes. At first, I didn't take it very seriously. But I feel like it it could lead to something bigger if I keep it up. I'm bringing the quote up because he's very much aware in that statement that... It could lead to something bigger, as he says. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there was a point earlier this year when we were planning out some of the stuff at my day job about the sort of creators we want to be working with. When I used this young man as an example of somebody who, if our digital platform was up and running right now and like that Vine got released and went viral or we somehow heard of it, that's the sort of thing where I would reach out to that young man and say... You so deftly combined comedy and and social commentary in in a repeating six second video, and so so brilliantly, and so with, with such talent. What if I gave you X thousand dollars to make three more of those? Obviously, he would he would have to like you know, think about what they might be and run them by me, but like. Th- in which I would be paying mm-hmm. a, a creator or a storyteller. Who yeah, it becomes not. your
2: deal flow, your talent discovery sure, network.
1: Sure, yeah. exactly. So what, what I'm trying to say is, like, I think that's a really exciting way to find creators. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if Vine still existed, that's that would be some... Well, you know, in the future, that's, we, would, we would be looking for creators and creators on Vine, among other social platforms that still exist. That we will be looking for them on. But So I want to make that comment about the money, but also... It seemed to me that one thing that Vine did do, and again, I was not on the platform as much as other people, was allow young people to make social commentary through comedy mm-hmm. in this way that was very hard to look away from. Like when you first saw the Vine of, of, of him in the convenience store being followed around, it took like five viewings to take everything that was going on in. And that's why mm-hmm. it was so powerful, because it would just keep repeating itself. No, and,
2: you... and that's what that's. <laughs> That's what America needs to be hit over the head repeatedly <laughs> with the reminder that racism yeah. exists. Yeah. So thank you, Vine, for that.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, no, the, the, loop, the loop was ingenious design because a lot of things, a lot of times you couldn't actually absorb a vine just by viewing it once. You had to kind of keep looking, keep looking, keep looking to make sure that you got all the layers and you got everything that somebody was saying. And so by design, it was made to be something that you kind of consumed repeatedly, which I thought was a really interesting thing.
2: We're all just stunned by the genius of your comments and we're Sorry. into silence. <laughs> <I went. laughs> that was like an random. odd moment of
3: synchronized. <laughs> like, that was really random. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, to your point, Anna, I feel like people, and it's interesting to see too, like for people who were under 22 on the platform and people who are older, I saw a lot, like I followed Social Justice Vine and I saw a lot of things from people who were contemporary activists, you know, jumping on Vine to show chunks of protests right. or to mm-hmm. do different things, you know, and those never got the same reactions as... When like I showed you that video or videos of other teens in the middle of their lives, and then something happens, and they feel like they need to react to Mm -hmm. it because it's such a genuine, immediate reaction. Like, and then to put that out, and because by by putting something on Vine, it means I want to share this to my friends, I want to share this to the world, I want to look at it immediately. And that was something you know when you play around these platforms, you don't realize how poignant they can be or how impactful they can be. In the same way that I'm sure the creators of Facebook Live never thought it would end up with, you know, Philangel Castile. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think they ever yeah. thought that no, would be I will guarantee an application. They much less, yeah, <laughs> much less like you know, less than a year Bro. later, this is where we I are. I would put my um, non-existent
2: Facebook shares on the table and
1: say,
2: <laughs> with did.
3: that one, it's one of those things where it's that's the fun about looking at these social networks or whatever. Your users are always outthinking you, always figuring mm-hmm. out new things, right? And the idea is to listen to them and to see what they're saying. And Vine was so valuable because it was literally this very uncensored look at what it felt like to be like a contemporary teenager black or brown and it didn't mean that everything was positive it didn't mean that everything was good it meant that they were comfortable in this format of continuing to share and share and share and share all of the little bits of their life which i found just like endlessly fascinating
0: well here's here's my question which is that in the 70s and 80s young people of color in new york and la and miami and other places created a wonderful vibrant culture called hip hop and they did it with mixtapes and flyers and not in a corporate owned mm-hmm. ecosystem that they had no control over so how do you preserve the vibrancy of what people created in vine and the voices there and keep them in the world without running into this problem again of oh it's not monetizing for the board in silicon valley so we're going to shut it down
2: i think that question bridges our b-side episode before this mm. And talking about Atlanta and gatekeepers and who has the power to, to green light something and say yes. And what we've been arguing about in terms of compensation. And do you have to be on these platforms or not? I don't think there's a simple answer. But I think it's there's a future of the system. You know, that on the B side, that caller said, like, will this be weaponized against black people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Atlanta success. And people should go back and listen to that. A similar type of question applies. Like, will we actually make the world a better place? With this technology, will we just accelerate some of the good and some of the horrors that we've had as people in the the current business system we've been in? There's no answer yet. I think the natural tendency is that we'll just recreate what we made. It'll look a little different. We'll feel better about it for a while, and then we'll wake up and realize... Oh, we're still exploited. We're just doing it faster. <laughs> yeah, we're just with way more f- scale and efficiency. Like now with holograms. <laughs> <laughs> Racism. Now with holograms. I know. <laughs> no. Sex oh Now uh, with drones. Been... Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Yeah.
3: Do you remember like the Tupac at Coachella? And I remember like just my horror was like, it. oh my God, that poor man cannot die. Yeah. yeah. Like he's going to have to like be trotted out to perform forever Jesus. for the rest of his life. We can like, keep monetizing what? this You black can't even man. die? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. You <laughs> can't I, even die in peace. So I, I'm curious to know whether there's something whether there what is or was something about the nature of vine is a medium that spoke particularly well to blackness. What it enabled someone to do and communicate in six seconds. Yes. What was that?
2: Oh, that's a separate question. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. I'll be here all <laughs> on random weeks. I think in part, I mean, look, there's, there was a level of multifaceted expression mm-hmm. that vine supported it's visual it's audio it's quick the things with beats work well mm-hmm. like not that everything black is all those things but a lot of blackness is like we are some pretty expressive people look at all the different art forms we've created and and say so more than a more singular dimensional environment like still images on instagram or text environments of Twitter, mm-hmm. which is the, what their origins are, Vine allowed for cuts, compression, contrasts, you know, light, sound, and just seeing I mean, the backflips that these kids are doing is really is mm-hmm. a kid's thing. I just remember being a black kid, like we were bouncing off the walls, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it was interpreted as lack of discipline and like a challenge for some of the teacher authorities, but that's just being that expressive, yeah. I think Vine was, it, it allowed for more of a range of expression than some of the other platforms mm-hmm. that came before it. And it was a, a very simple thing to produce. Like YouTube allowed for that, obviously. But yeah. it was like infinitely open. You could do anything with any kind of length of video on YouTube. Vine said, you got six seconds. Yeah. Go. Yeah.
1: What yeah. can you do in six seconds? Yeah. Also, and black people
2: like anything. We could do yeah. anything in six seconds.
1: Also, it seems to me, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like there wasn't a lot to, for people to argue with on Vine. You know, like you can't argue with someone's like hilarious joke or joke that falls flat you can't really argue with, with with moving images in the same way you can on twitter which which is which is i think why you get so much hate speech on twitter because words are really easy to grasp onto and replicate and react to with more words you can't react to a vine with another vine quickly
2: yeah right no that's that's true and the the architecture of the space is i mean twitter allows you your hate to show up in the feed of your target okay. instantly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not normal. Like, we're talking now, haters aren't just pouring into the room. Right. <laughs> but Twitter just invites the clan to your scandal right. watch party. Oh like, that God. happens. Oh, you my know? God. <laughs> no other platform does that in the same way. It's like a technical fault, I think. That's
1: but, that's the headline, yeah, and that's, that's the title of this episode, the clan being invited to your scandal watch party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. This is true. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, so one, you're right in terms of the... The
3: culture of Twitter and the culture of Vine being very, very different because the culture of Vine, there are a lot of rapid responses, but what they are, are is building on what somebody else has said, not necessarily attacking it. Mm-hmm. And so there's an example I used in back channel of like when Michelle Obama find a uh, turn up for what? Right. And she did the little John sample. Turn up for what? <laughs> And people were like, oh, my God, that was so corny. But immediately, other Viners started making their response videos. I and mean, they even had, like, a little thing like Vine, like Michelle Obama. And so Darius was like, you know, the beats go hard. And then another Vine user saw that, and they made it a remix And they <laughs> from Songify. And they were remixing it with, like, the fake Obama they have on Vine. And again, all these things are six seconds. But the idea was that it was a build culture. Like, I keep coming back to this idea that Vine was a remix culture. In some ways, yeah. Vine is the child of the hip-hop generation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Vine is is these kids version of what we were doing, where we're like, okay, we're gonna take two songs, we're gonna put some turntables on it, we're gonna make it beat hot. We're gonna sample this, it's gonna be dope. And for them, <laughs> now the medium is video and is visual. And so what they were essentially doing was remixing videos. And that was, you know, and they created their own culture around how this image mixes with this image, with this sound and with this layover. And so what you would see is like the, these vine trends that everyone would do. So like when there was a spelling bee in 2015 where that <laughs> like that cute little South Asian kid came out on iridocyclitis. And I mean, Iridocyclitis was a joke for two freaking weeks on Vine. People just kept iterating it. They did a Twilight Zone remix with (laughs) Iridocyclitis being in the thing. They did a a Drake and Lil Wayne video where Lil Wayne's going, oh my God, Becky, and they're they're mixing in, you know, (laughs) Iridocyclitis. Like, it's just the most ridiculous stuff. But the idea of Vine was that it was a community where you built, you built off what other people were doing, you built off what other people were saying. It's like Minecraft. Mm. Yes, and exactly like Mm. Minecraft. And you remixed it into something Something that was new and vibrant and fresh in the same way as hip hop. To me, it's like that logical progression. That's what it was. That's what it meant. And it's going to continue just because it's an evolution of an art form.
1: Okay. On that note, thank you. That was a great. That was a great mm. en- note to end on. That is um, the
0: best ending note we've had. Yeah, I think ever <laughs> on the show. <laughs> he's not. He's
1: he's not. He's not being facetious. He's he's serious. Um, by the way, Latoya.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. it.
1: was good to know. You can on. invite me back anytime. Feel free. Mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. listeners, listeners. What are your thoughts about black ownership of creative spaces, Vine's shutdown, etc.? Let us know at our new answering service. Now it's an answering service. It's a fun post-phone. That sounds so
2: like, like an eighty <laughs> after hours medical yeah. emergencies. <laughs> Let <number>. us know.
1: <laughs> Let us know at our new answering service. Our operators at are 612 888 race Um, I'll do that again. That's 612
2: 888 race <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, maybe you should keep that. Of course. You can still send us emails and voice memos at showaboutrace at gmail.com. But now, it's time to make some recommendations. So, what have you all been listening to or watching or reading that you think our audience ought to be checking out? I'm going to start with Tanner.
0: Uh, I might, actually, my laptop just died because i had (laughs) it on too long. So, I'm not going to be able to quote exactly, but we'll put the link in the show notes. There's a great article explainer by Matthew Iglesias on Vox basically says why it's insane that this bullshit email story has taken over the whole election and goes blow by, it, it has nothing to do with race, but it actually has everything to do with race because it's about who's going to win on Tuesday and everyone should read it. Basically just shows how the whole e- Hillary Clinton email story got completely blown out of proportion and it's really just a bureaucratic uh, you know, office management issue that has turned into the greatest conspiracy theory in the history of man. And so everyone should read it before Tuesday and go vote.
1: That was my recommendation was go vote. I know that's so cheap of me because it's so obvious, but that was going to be my recommendation. So I'll go to Baratunay next and I'll think of a new recommendation okay. as he talks.
2: On the theme of education around this election, uh, WNYC has put out another stellar uh, series of podcasts called The United States of Anxiety. I recommend you find it in your podcast consumption platform of choice. And they are really getting beyond uh, Trump as the figure and into some of his supporters, the rage he's tapped into. And the stuff that we're going to have to deal with after November 8th, who, which is our neighbors. So, yes, vote. I recommend hello.vote as a site that helps you give you tips and your location and all that stuff. But United States of Anxiety, it's like an eight or nine part mini series, which means it ends, which is nice.
1: <laughs> and Latoya, what, what about you? Do you have any recommendations? You know what? I don't. <laughs> I feel like I want everybody to go back and just read about the purpose of
3: democracy, like why we did this in the first place. Uh-huh. I feel like the U.S. Constitution. It's, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, like the Constitution or maybe even go back to the Federalist Papers. I mean, like just anything. I don't care. Thomas Paine, some, just read something that reminds you of why we started this crazy experiment to begin with. A lot of people have kind of lost sight of the goal here in the election. The goal isn't we're going to score points for my team and then everybody else can just, you know, suck it and move (laughs) to Canada or move to Mexico. Like the goal here is that we have a functioning society where a lot of different voices are heard and that we disagree. And that's the point of having multiple parties. And the idea is that we keep talking to each other, not like trying to kick people out of the country or deport people or throw people off the island. But we talk about our differences And we try to figure out something that works for most people in society. And it's always this kind of work in progress. And to go back and be at peace with this messiness while realizing that, you know, your victory doesn't have to be a Pyrrhic
2: one. Latoya with the mic drop again. Seriously. So basically she said go spend 2k and watch hamilton that's what i heard yeah i, totally I heard her say <laughs> spend your your mortgage on support
1: hamilton. pbs and
3: watch the hamilton documentary <laughs> yeah. do
2: that oh i gotta watch that, I haven't, it'll be free that house.
1: I haven't watched that yet well my recommendation was go vote and i don't have a better one that's a great so one go vote. so please guys go vote no matter where you are i assume most of
2: our listeners are not going to vote for trump call yeah. us and tell us if, if you are <laughs> yeah we'd love to hear call from you us and tell oh, us why definitely we definitely want to know who you are uh, exactly where you are. Yeah. Uh, your name, your social, your social security, security number. number.
1: <laughs> your mother's
2: maiden name. Just give us your Facebook profile. But,
1: but I was going to say, go vote even if you think that you're in a safe district or safe state. Because it's not just the presidential election, but the down ballot is important. And it's important that, you know, if you were voting for Hillary, which I assume most of our listeners are, that we embolden the popular vote as much as the electoral vote. Yes. And that's all for today. Our producer is AC Valdez. Our research assistant and tech maven is Cody Harvell. Thanks also to Laura Mayer, Andy Bowers, and Jason Gambrell at Panoply. You can see its entire roster of delightful, delightful podcasts at iTunes.com Panoply. You can find links to the things we've discussed today on our website showaboutrace.com and we've got a phone number I'm going to remind you again ready for the number 612-888-RACE if you'd like to send us an email or a voice memo the address is showaboutrace at gmail.com and of course you can follow along with the conversation or join it yourself on Facebook or Twitter at showaboutrace in the meantime thank you so much for joining our national conversation about conversations about race on behalf of Bartoon Tanner and LaToya I'm Anna Holmes